What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Egyptian History Podcast, The History of Egypt, Episode 62b, The Divine Birth of Hatshepsut, a special mini-episode covering just one story, the tale of Hatshepsut's conception, birth, and ascension to the kingship, as recounted in the Temple of Jesser Jesseru. The translation is that of Sir James Henry Breasted from his Ancient Records of Egypt, Volume 2. The music for this episode is produced by Michael Levy, whose reconstruction of ancient instruments has produced some truly beautiful melodies. Visit ancientlyre.com to preview Michael's music, and to purchase it if you wish. And now the story of Hatshepsut's birth and ascension, as recounted by James Henry Breasted. I'm telling the tale as he has written it, including short descriptions of the relevant artistic scenes. The story begins with the Council of the Gods, in which Amun lays out his plans and takes counsel. Quote, I will unite for her the two lands in peace. I will give to her all lands and all countries. Amun summons the god Thoth, lord of scribes and wisdom. Thoth says, Thou maiden whom thou hast mentioned, behold, I am an old man. But Armosa is her name, the beneficent mistress in this whole land. She is the wife of the king Akhepakare Tatmos I, who lives forever. While his majesty is away from the palace, go thou to the queen. Amun and Thoth now proceed to meet the Queen Amosa. Amun offers the symbol of life to Amosa. They are sitting in the heavens, symbolic of the exalted character of the meeting, supported by two female gods who are seated on a couch. The inscriptions are as follows. The utterance of Amun-Ra, Lord of Thebes, presider over Karnak. He made his form like the majesty of this husband, the King Akepakare Tatmos I. He found the queen as she slept in the beauty of her palace. She waked at the fragrance of the god, which she smelled in the presence of his majesty. He went to her immediately, coivet cum ea. He imposed his desire upon her, and he caused that she should see him in the form of a god. When he came before her, she rejoiced at the sight of his beauty. His love passed into her limbs, which the fragrance of the god flooded. All of his scents were from punt. The utterance of the king's wife and king's mother, Amosa, in the presence of the majesty of this august god, Amun, the lord of Thebes. She says, How great is thy fame! It is splendid to see thy front. Thou hast united my majesty with thy favours. Thy dew is in all my limbs. After this, the majesty of this god did everything that he desired with her. The utterance of Amun, lord of the two lands, before Amosa. Kinnemet Amon Hatshepsut shall be the name of thy daughter, whom I have placed in thy body. This saying which comes out of my mouth, she shall exercise the excellent kingship in the whole land. My soul is hers, my bounty is hers, my crown is hers, that she may rule the two lands, and that she may lead all of the living. Amun now calls in the aid of the god Kanum, the one who created man. Amun stands on the left, and Kanum on the right. The following inscriptions accompany them. 
the utterance of Amun, presider over Karnak. Go to make Hatshepsut together with her car from these limbs which are in me. Go to fashion her better than all the gods. Shape for me this my daughter whom I have begotten. I have given to her all life and satisfaction, all stability, all joy of heart from me, all offerings and all bread, like Ray for ever. Kunum replies, I will form this, thy daughter, Ma'at Kare Hatshepsut, for life, prosperity and health, for offerings, for love of the beautiful mistress. Her form shall be more exalted than the gods in her great dignity of king of Upper and Lower Egypt. Kunum now goes to fashion the child. He sits before a potter's wheel, on which he is making two male children, the first being Hatshepsut, and the second her Ka or spirit. Next to Kunum sits a goddess, either Heket or Hathor, depending on the scene. She extends the symbol of life to the two children, and thus animates them. Kunum now repeats the instructions that he has received from Amun, putting them into the first person. The utterance of Kunum, the potter, the lord of Herwer. I have formed thee of thy limbs of Amun, presider over Karnak. I have come to thee, Hatshepsut, to fashion thee better than all gods. I have given thee all life and all satisfaction, all stability, all joy of heart with me. I have given to thee all health and all lands. I have given to thee all countries and all people. I have given to thee all offerings, all food. I have given to thee to appear upon the throne of Horus like Ray for ever. I have given to thee to be before the cars of all the living, while thou shinest as king of Upper and Lower Egypt, of South and of North, accordingly as thy father who loves thee has commanded. We now jump ahead about nine months to the actual birth of Hatshepsut, which Breasted describes as follows. The queen sits enthroned in the middle of the upper row of the scene, holding the child. Before her are four female divinities acting as midwives and extending their arms for the young Hatshepsut. Behind the queen are five more goddesses. The foremost extends to the queen the Ankh, the sign of life. The entire row rests upon a couch. In the middle row, which also rests upon a couch, we see directly under the queen two gods of myriads of years, and on either side of them the spirits of the east and west. The bottom row, on the left, shows the gods of the north and south. On the right, Bess and Toweret, lords of home and hearth, sit with a blank space, which once contained an inscription that is now gone. At the extreme white sits Meskinet, the goddess of births, who directs the midwives. The child is now presented to her father by Hathor. Hathor, on the right, extends young Hatshepsut to Amun, who is standing on the left. Amun says the following, The utterance of Amun to see his daughter, his beloved, the king Ma'at Kare Hatshepsut, living after she was born, while his heart was exceedingly happy. Amun says, Glorious part which has come forth from me, the king taking the two lands upon the Horus throne forever. Behold, all of you, my daughter Hatshepsut, who lives. Be ye loving towards her, and be ye satisfied with her. He shows her to all the gods of south and north, who come to look upon her, doing obeisance before her. The utterance of all the gods to Amun-Ra. This is thy daughter Hatshepsut, who liveth. We are satisfied with her in life and in peace. She is now thy daughter of thy body, whom thou hast begotten, prepared. Thou hast given to her thy soul, thy bounty, the magical powers of thy crown. While she was in the body of her that bare her, the lands were hers, the countries were hers, all that the heavens cover, all that the sea encircles. Thou hast now done this with her, for thou knowest the two errors. Thou hast given to her the share of Horus in life, 
the years I've sat in satisfaction. The story now moves ahead again to the young queen's childhood. Her majesty saw all things herself, which she told to the people who heard, falling down for terror among them. Her majesty grew beyond everything. To look upon her was more beautiful than anything. Her face was like a god. Her form was like a god. She did everything as a god. Her splendor was like a god. Her majesty was a maiden, beautiful, blooming, buto in her time. She made her divine form to flourish, a favor of him that had fashioned her. Her Majesty journeyed to the North Country after her father, the King of Upper and Lower Egypt, Akepakare, who lives forever. There came with her her mother Hathor, the patroness of Thebes, Buto, the mistress of Dep, Amun, the lord of Thebes, Atum, the lord of Heliopolis, Montu, the lord of Thebes, and Kanum, the lord of the cataract. All the gods that are in Thebes, all the gods of the South and North, they approached her. They traversed for her pleasant ways. They came, and they brought all life and satisfaction with them. They exerted their protection behind her. One proceeded after another. They passed on behind her every day. The gods said, Welcome, daughter of Amun-Re. Thou hast seen thy administration in the land, and thou shalt set it in order. Thou shalt restore that which has gone to ruin. Thou shalt make thy monuments in this house. Thou shalt victual the offering-tables of him who begat thee. Thou shalt pass through the land, and thou shalt embrace many countries. Thou shalt strike among the Tehanu Libyans. Thou shalt smite with the mace the Nubian troglodytes. Thou shalt cut off the heads of the soldiers, and thou shalt seize the chiefs of retinue in Palestine, bearing the sword, the survivals of thy father. Thy tribute is myriads of men, the captives of thy valour. Thy reward is thousands of men for the temples of the two lands. Thou givest offerings in Thebes, the steps of the king Amun-Ra, lord of Thebes. The gods have endowed thee with years, they present thee with life and satisfaction, they praise thee, for their heart hath given understanding to the egg which they have fashioned. They shall set thy boundary as far as the breadth of heaven, as far as the limits of the twelfth hour of the night. The two lands shall be filled with children, thy numerous children are as the number of thy grain, which thou in the hearts of thy people, it is the daughter of the bull of his mother, the beloved. We now come to the coronation, which apparently is done by Artum, the lord of Heliopolis. The queen on the left is led by Hathor into the presence of Artum, who stands on the right. Depending on the temple in which you see this scene, the goddess changes. It might be Hathor, or it might be Sekhmet. Either way, Hatshepsut now kneels before Artum. Before them stands Thoth, the lord of scribes and wisdom. Thoth says, Set his diadem upon his head, meaning Artum's crown. Put her titulary before the gods. Presented to thee is this red crown, which is upon the head of Ra. Thou shalt wear the double crown, and thou shalt take the two lands by this its name. Presented to thee is this white crown, mighty upon thy head. Thou shalt take the lands by its diadem, by this its name. Hatshepsut, having been named as king, now comes before Amun. Behind her stand the spirits of north, south, east, and west, and again Thoth, who keeps record of the events. The accompanying inscriptions of this section are mostly destroyed thanks to later attacks on the temples of Hatshepsut, but we have some sense of what actually happened. The text goes as follows. Tutmose I recognized the auspiciousness of a coronation on New Year's Day as the beginning of the peaceful years and of the myriads of years of many jubilees. There saw her the majesty of her father, this Horus. How divine is her great fashioner Amun and Knum! Hatshepsut's heart is glad, for great is her crown. She advocates her cause in Ma'at, 
the exalter of her royal dignity, and of that which her car does. The living were set before her in his palace. Said his majesty Tutmos to her, Come, glorious one, I have placed thee before me, that thou mayst seest thy administration in thy palace, and the excellent deeds of thy cars, that thou mayst assume thy royal dignity, glorious in thy magic, mighty in thy strength. Thou shalt be powerful in the two lands, thou shalt seize the rebellious, thou shalt appear in the palace, thy forehead shall be adorned with the double crown, resting upon the head of this you heir of Horus. You are the one whom I begat, the daughter of the white crown, the beloved of Buto. The diadems are given to thee by him who presides over the throne of the gods. My majesty, referring to Tutmos, caused that they be brought to him the dignitaries of the king, the nobles, the companions, the officers of the court, and the chiefs of the people, that they may do homage to set the majesty of the daughter of Horus before him in his palace. There was a sitting of the king himself in the audience hall of the palace, while these people prostrated themselves in the court. Said his majesty Tutmos to them, This is my daughter, Kenemet Amon, Hatshepsut, who liveth. I have appointed her. She is my successor upon my throne. She it is who shall sit upon my wonderful seat. She shall command the people in every place of the palace. She it is who shall lead you. You will proclaim her word. You shall be united at her command. He who shall do her homage shall live. He who would speak evil in blasphemy of her majesty will die. Whoever proclaims with unanimity the justice of her name shall enter immediately into the royal chamber, just as it was done in my name. For thou art divine, O daughter of a god, one for whom even the gods fight, behind whom they exert their protection every day, according to the command of her father, the lord of the gods. The dignitaries of the king, the nobles, and the chief of the people hear this command for the advancement of the dignity of his daughter, the king of Upper and Lower Egypt, Ma'at Kare Hatshepsut, living for ever. They kissed the earth at his feet when the royal word fell among them. They praised all the gods for the king of Upper and Lower Egypt, Aa Kepa Kare, Tutmos I, who lives for ever. They went forth, their mouths rejoiced, they published his proclamation to them. All the people of all the dwellings of the court heard. And they came, their mouths rejoicing. They proclaimed it beyond everything. Dwelling on dwelling therein was announcing it in his name. Soldiers upon soldiers. They leaped and they danced for the double joy of their hearts. They proclaimed, they proclaimed the name of her majesty as king, while her majesty was a youth, while the great god was turning their hearts toward his daughter, Ma'at Kavre Hatshepsut. When they recognized that it was the father of the divine daughter, and thus they were excellent in her great soul beyond everything, as for any man who shall love her in his heart, and shall do her homage every day, he shall shine, and he shall flourish exceedingly. But, as for any man who would speak against the name of her majesty, the god shall determine his death immediately, even by the gods who exercise protection behind her every day. The majesty of this her father has published the story, all the people have united upon the name of his daughter for king. While her majesty was a youth, the heart of his majesty inclined her to excellence. His Majesty Tutmos I commanded that the ritual priests be brought to proclaim the great names that belong to the dignities of the crown, and for insertion in every work and every seal of the favourite of the two goddesses, who makes the circuit north of the wall, who clothes all the gods of the favourite of the two goddesses. He has recognised the auspiciousness of the coronation on New Year's Day, as the beginning of the peaceful years, and of the spending of myriads of years, of many jubilees, 
they proclaimed her royal names, for the God caused that it should be in their hearts to make her names according to the form which he had made them before. Her great Horus name is Weseret Ka'u forever. Her great name, favoured of the two goddesses, is Fresh in Years, the good goddess, the mistress of offering. Her great name of the golden Horus is Divine of Diadems. Her great name of the king of Upper and Lower Egypt is Ma'at Ka-Re, who lives forever. It is her real name, which the god made beforehand. With the crown upon her head, and her names proclaimed to the populace, the queen is now led away by Horus, and several ceremonies follow, which are not particularly interesting. They're mostly purifications and anointings. The story might be concluded by a scene from Karnak, in which Hatshepsut comes before her father Tutmos I, and does him obeisance. In return, Tutmos I addresses the gods on behalf of his daughter, and thus finally justifies her assumption of power. Tutmos I says, I come to thee, lord of gods. I do obeisance before thee, in return for this that thou hast put, the black and the red land, under the dominion of my daughter, the king of Upper and Lower Egypt. She lives forever, just as thou didst put it under the dominion of my majesty. Thou hast given to me the kingdom of every land in the presence of the two lands, exalting my beauty while I was a youth. The black land and the red land are under my dominion. I am satisfied with victories. Thou hast placed every rebellious land under my sandals, which thy serpent diadem, thy Uraeus, has bound. Bearing thy gifts, thou hast strengthened the fear of me. Their limbs trembled. I have seized them in victory according to thy command. They are made my subjects. They come to me doing obeisance, and all countries come with bowed heads. Tribute before the heart of my majesty is glad because of her. The petition concerning my daughter, Usaret Kau, king of Upper and Lower Egypt, of whom thou hast desired, that thee she be associated with thee, that thou mightest assign this land to her grasp. Make my daughter prosperous as king. Mayest thou grant for me the prayer of the first days, the petitions concerning my beloved. This comes under her majesty. This brings us to the end of the story. The text is full of arcana and obscure references, and unfortunately it's simply too long for me to unpack every historical reference. Suffice it to say that Hatshepsut composed really a very, very complex story to tell of her birth. In some ways it's a masterpiece of the Egyptian political religious narrative, as it tells a story that incorporates basically every element that you could possibly need to justify her assumption of royal power. The tale is a complex one, and I wish we had the time to explore it in all detail. For now, have a great week. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show.